0: then I was at Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee, and, and the, the, the uh, choir master there asked me if I would, would join the choir and be uh, the chaplain, student chaplain for the choir. And I said, have you heard me sing? And he said, well, not really. You're going to have to try out. And uh, he said, we'll do a tryout. And he said, you know, we, we really want you in the choir. And so, you know, reluctantly, I tried out. Luckily, the choir master was the only one who was there to hear me. And uh, he just looked at me, and he says, "Well, we want you to be the chaplain, student chaplain for the choir, but you don't have to sing loud." (laughs) So, you know, today, uh, someone after the first service, they they said, "Pastor, we've we've really never heard you sing," Uh, and I said, "And you never will. Uh, I have no plans uh, on uh, singing." And uh, I'm sure that that would uh, really, uh, you know, uh, ruin the church. Well, we're, we're looking at a song, we're talking about songs and singing. I want to look at three songs, psalms, uh, from the book of Psalms over the next three weeks. It's really kind of a, a short summer series until we hit September 8th. And I will then start a series of messages on a study of second Corinthians. And so in the next three weeks, uh, I wanna talk about three different Psalms. A Psalm that focuses on grief and and really deals with, with how we're to deal with the burdens of life. We're gonna look at a Psalm that talks about greed and by that Psalm you'll realize that greed is a broader subject Than we sometimes realize that it is. And then we're going to look at a psalm that focuses uh, on grace and uh, how, you know, we've been so blessed by the grace of Almighty God. So today, I turn your attention to Psalm 55. And this is a uh, psalm of David. And he is dealing with grief. He is dealing with how we're to handle uh, the burdens of life. And so you and I, I'm sure, realize and probably wouldn't argue that life itself uh, is often filled with disappointments and, and uh, you know, depressive kinds of things and even uh, disasters. And so we can't run away. We'd like to at times. In fact, in this chapter, David tries to run away from from the burdens of life uh, but we can't run away from them we have to deal with them and so David is is writing uh, scholars tell us Old Testament scholars tell us he he doesn't really give us that in this this uh, chapter but that most likely David wrote this psalm or this song Uh, dealing with the events that we find in 2 Samuel, chapter 13, 14, and then chapters 15 to 18. And what happens in those chapters is uh, there's a lot of negative things that take place. Uh, Amnon, son of David, rapes his sister Tamar. Absalom goes to David to deal with this thing and David doesn't want to deal with it. Absalom takes it, the whole matter into his own hands and kills Amnon, but then leads a terrible rebellion against David, the king. And so what we find then in chapters 15 through 18 is that Absalom's rebellion and and another person's treachery with David leads to all kinds of, of negativity and, and, and disunity, and, and it leads to conspiracies, and it leads to the divisions, not only of families, but of this nation of Israel. And so David is, is really having a rough time dealing with all of this, and he writes Psalm 55. The psalm is uh, divided into three stanzas Uh, In the Hebrew language, the first stanza. We're going to look at these by stanzas, but the first stanza is verses one through eight. And what we find in verses one through eight is David's complaint. He comes to God with with complaints, things that are really bothering him, the things that are burdening him and messing him up. And then in verse nine through fifteen, David deals in that paragraph with corrections things that he would really like to see happen to those who really are hurting him and harming him david at this point doesn't have the attitude that that uh, jesus had when he was here and hung upon the cross when he you remember said father forgive them for they know not what they do So David, in essence, in verses 9 through 15, really is calling fire down from heaven that God might consume those individuals who in some way have forsaken him, abandoned him, have tried to kill him, and so forth. The last paragraph, of course, is an extremely positive paragraph. And in that last paragraph, verse 16 to 23, we find David's confidence. Now, what we find here then in in that section is the key verse to the entire chapter. I want you to take note of that verse before we go back to verse 1. It's verse 22. So whenever I read a chapter, a passage of Scripture, I ask myself, what's the key verse that sets the theme uh, for uh, this passage? Well, in verse 22, we read what Peter gives to us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 when he in essence quotes this and so here's what David says cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you or support you he will never permit the righteous to be moved and so he's going to be there for those individuals who really have faith in him who trust him and so this theme if you will is this that we need to trust in God, and trust in God is the remedy for our troubles, our difficulties. And so you and I need to realize that this is a great psalm dealing with grief. It's great for leaders, because David, you know, was a leader. He was the king. But it's also great for us as, as just followers of God. It's great for us as people, as we know that that we are really living uh, in a, a world that is broken and rebellious, and uh, that we see so many bad things all around us. Well, I want you to notice that in verses 1 through 8, in regards to David's complaint, there are two lessons that I want you to realize jump out at us. Here's the two lessons, and then I'm going to read the account, and, and you can see how these two lessons really are, are really uh, given to us that we need to take note of. The first is this, that we need to be real with God. You know I'm sure that even uh, Psalm 137 talks about how we can't hide from God and sometimes when we talk about not hiding from God we think about well we can't hide from him physically because he sees all things. Here when David talks to God the lesson is this, that we can be real with God even in our regards to our thoughts and how we feel and, and what's going on in our minds and in our hearts. Have you had times where you are just so upset and, and burdened and angry, but you, you don't really take it to God because somehow you, know, you feel, well, I can't be that real with God. But David teaches us here that we can be real with God. When I read the Psalms, and I love the Psalms, I've been going through uh, a devotional that if you uh, are looking for a devotional would be a great devotional uh, to to read through and uh, it's called, and it's on the Psalms, it's called The Songs of Jesus and it's written by Tim Keller and so Tim Keller writes these Psalms. It's hard for me to read only a devotion a day but I have focused on being able to do that because it'd be so easy for me to take that book and read it in one day. But he deals with these psalms, and he calls them songs of Jesus. And so here, David wants us to know, and when we read the psalms, it's amazing how open and how honest we find the psalmist in talking to God. Uh, David is real in this account. He doesn't hide things. He doesn't, you know, water things down. He really comes to God and bears his heart and soul with God because God knows anyway. It's hard for us sometimes to be real with one another. We're, we're, we don't want to, you know, be made fun of. We don't want to hurt people. We don't, there's so many issues, and some of them we need to legitimately be concerned about. But here, the psalmist teaches us that we can be real with God. How real are you with God? You see? And so when David says, cast your burdens on, on the Lord, you know, he's really taken his burdens and, he's, and he has just laid them before God in a real open and honest way. But the second lesson is this, don't run away from your troubles. David David wants to run away from his trouble. Do you ever want to run away? And what you'll find in this account, these first eight verses, David's not running away from the trouble to God. He just wants to run away. And there's a tendency, all of us, uh, for all of us, that when we're dealing with, with burdens and tough issues, we want to run and hide. And so these are two great lessons. Now I want you to notice that he starts with a simple and basic prayer for God to help him. So take note of chapter 55 and verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. So he's coming to God and he makes this simple prayer. He's calling out to God and he's saying, hear my prayer, uh, save me. And so he goes on and he says this, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Do you ever moan? I mean, have you had a hard day and maybe, you know, you're physically tired and you find yourself, every time you move, you moan? Elaine and I sometimes will get laughing at each other and we say, hey, don't act so old. Stop moaning. (laughs) I think Elaine usually says that to me. But here's David, he's saying that the burdens are so tough on him, he, he's actually moaning. And so he, he's restless, he's discouraged, he's distressed here. He, and, and he's having you know, self-defeating thoughts and tendencies here because he's focusing so much on the trouble itself. But he goes on and he says this, because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. Now notice how open and honest he is in verse 4. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death, there are people who want to kill David, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. And so here's David, the person who's, who God mentions as a man who, who has a heart for him. And David is saying, I'm I'm frightened to death. I'm frightened to death, even of death itself, because there are so many people who want to kill me. Notice verse 5. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And so we need to get the the picture here of of David in in how restless, how he's moaning, the anguish of his heart, how he's lamenting over things. And uh, so he talks about to God how real life is and how he wants to be real with God but then in verse 6 7 and 8 he goes from just being real to really how he wants to respond to the burdens of life so notice what he says and I say oh that I had wings like a dove I would fly away and be at rest Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. And you see in your Bibles the word Selah there, and it just means to stop and to think. And so he stops for a moment. And then he goes on and he says this, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Now again, let me mention that this response here, to run, to retire, to, to just flee the trouble and the pain that he was experiencing was this. He wasn't running to God. He just wanted to run away from all of the trouble, all of the burdens of life. And so, you know, maybe he had this attitude as, as a leader. You know, let somebody else deal with this. I don't want to deal with it. I just want to run away. And so, you know, he, he wants to, uh, you know, go the way of least resistance. He wants to find some kind of, of shelter, but it's a shelter other than God. And you, what you and I need to realize is this, that, that uh, sometimes we look for a shelter, but you need, you need to know this, that if that shelter is not God, then those shelters will uh, prove to be places of greater danger than what you're already in. And that's what David found. And so here, here's David saying, well, you know, life is uh, real and, and hard, and so I would like to run away. What do you do to run away? You know, we have a whole world that tries to deal with pain and sorrow by, you know, somehow right, getting some kind of drug or alcohol, and that's how they deal with the burdens of life if somehow I can numb the pain there are a lot of people that are you know using quote recreational drugs and I'm convinced that they're not using them just for recreational purposes they're using them to somehow deal with the pain of their lives they want to run away and we might say well you know I, I don't uh, drink I don't get drunk I don't take uh, you know, any kind of uh, drugs that are illegal. Well, you know, maybe some of us have figured out how to get prescription drugs to do the same thing. I don't want to deal with the pain of life, and so somehow will you write me a prescription? You know, I uh, appreciate that we have two psychiatrists here at this church, and I tease them all the time that as their pastor, I, should have, I shouldn't have a care in the world if they'd only write me some prescriptions. But neither of them will do it. So what do you do to deal with the pain of your life? You know what, what I, I do? I, every time I have a, a bad day, you know what I fight? Consuming mass quantities of food. You know, I bet you I could down a whole bag of Oreos on certain occasions. After the first service, people were coming out shaking my hand, and they were all telling me what their comfort food is. Some of it sounded pretty good, too. It's usually not, you know, when I get, you know, burdened, I go have a salad. It's nothing like that. When I get burdened, I've told you this before, I take a chair, bring it right over to the refrigerator, camp out right there. And somehow I, I think, well, it's going to help. But you know, what what happens here with people sometimes is this, that we use food, we use drugs, we we use sometimes just isolation. We run away from the problem. We think if we just don't deal with it, if we run away from it, it's somehow all magically going to be taken care of. But you see, David couldn't run away from the problems of life, the difficulties, nor can you or I. And so then David begins in verse 9 to talk about correction here. And, and, and uh, you know, he comes to God again, but not necessarily in the correct way. He says, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. So he, he's coming and he, he deals with the, the judgment that he wishes God would bring upon those people who were hurting him and harming him in some way. So he says, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin, uh, ruin is in, in its midst. Oppression and fraud. Do not depart from its marketplace, for it is not... Oh, well, then let me stop there for a moment. So, so what he's dealing with here is two lessons as well. And I think here's the two lessons in verses 9 through 15. Number one is this, know your trigger points. Satan knows our trigger points. He knows what buttons to push in our lives, to, to give us the greatest burdens, to mess us up uh, the most. And David understood his trigger points. And I think the second lesson that we find in these verses is this, nothing, there's nothing harder than to be abandoned or betrayed or rejected especially from those that you thought were your friends. And so here's what we find then after this plea for judgment. He he starts to talk in, in verse 12 about what the trigger point is that really has messed him up. Here's what he says, verse 12. For it is not an enemy who taunts me that I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, Then I could hide from him. But it is you. Now, you here is not talking about God. It's talking about those who have been close to him. And he says, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in a throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol, for evil is in their dwelling place. And in their heart. Now he goes on in verses uh, a little bit later here, uh, and um, and talks about how verse twenty to twenty and twenty one, how these people were cunning and deceitful. They were like uh, uh, sheep in wolves' clothing. They were individuals who uh, were dangerous but pretended to be harmless, and so they hurt him and harmed him. They not only wanted to kill him, but they were saying bad things about him. They they were not willing to uh, follow him and and to help him. And so, you know, they they, uh, were individuals who hurt David's heart. And so he was abandoned. Uh, He was betrayed. He was rejected. And that was the trigger point for David. What's your trigger point? Might not be that, but what's your trigger point? What does Satan know about me, about you, that somehow he knows what buttons to push, to mess us up? Well, David wasn't the only person in Scripture that had to deal with all kinds of rejection. Jesus himself did. But probably one of the greatest examples that we have in Scripture is found in in the life of the Apostle Paul. We're we're going to talk a lot about this in, in 2 Corinthians because that book teaches us how Paul remained faithful even in the most difficult of times. But you're familiar with Paul's last letter, and that's to Timothy, 2 Timothy. And here's what he, he says after he talks about how, you know, Demas has forsaken him and deserted him and so forth. He, he says this in, in verse uh, 16 and 17. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Now you see, there... The apostle Paul is using the example of Jesus. And so, you know, they, they didn't stand with him. In essence, you know what Paul's saying this? They, they threw me under the bus. They, they didn't stay with me. But God, don't, I'm not calling down fire from heaven to hurt and harm them. I, I want you to forgive them. I, I want you not to hold that against them. But then in verse 17, he wants us to know the reason he's able to say this. He says this, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, so I was rescued from the mouth from the lion's mouth. And so the apostle Paul, I'm sure, understood how David felt in Psalm 55, and uh, he understood those trigger points. Well, I want you to then to uh, recognize in verses 16 through 23 David's confidence. Da- David gives us two lessons here in this paragraph as well. The first is this, that we are to rely on God. We're to trust God. And then secondly, we're to reach out to others. Now, if you, you're familiar with this psalm, and if you've read this psalm, you probably are thinking, rightfully so, where does Dr. Miller see that he reached out to other people? Let me get to that in just a moment. But I want you to realize that I think that the Apostle Paul in these verses give to us what we need to do to survive great pain in our lives, whatever that pain might come from. Here are four things that I want you to take with you. Number one is this, that David tells us in essence in verse 16 and also in the last verse that we need to commit to God. We need to trust God. The word trust in the Hebrew really is focused on, on us committing you know, our very lives, not in regards to doing something, but committing our lives to God in trusting that God knows what's best that's trust And so what you know, David is really doing here is committing to the charge of God everything that's taking place in his life so in verse 16 he says this so after he, he deals with all of these negatives he says but I call to God I'm, I'm calling out to God that's who I'm running to now and then I love the last verse he says but you O God will cast them down Into the pit of destruction, men of blood and treachery shall not live uh, out half their days. In other words, all of those difficulties and what they're doing, that's in your hands. But here's the key. Six words that you need to underline. Six important words. When David ends this psalm, he says this. But I will trust in you. Each of us need to be able to say that. No matter what the burden is. But I will Trust in you. And so David says this number one, we need to commit to God. Number two, we need to confide in God. So I want you to notice what he says in verse 17. He says this evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Here's what he's saying I realize that I need to confide in God. I need to be a man of prayer. And I'm going to go to God in prayer about these burdens in the morning. At noon and in the evening. You and I need to take things to God often, and maybe, uh, you know, here, here's great advice from David that when we're, especially when we're going through difficult times and dealing with burdens that are overwhelming, we need to go to God in the morning. We need to go to God at noon. We need to go to God in the evening. We need to confide in God three times a day. David runs to God. I'm so excited about our prayer meetings that we're going to start this fall encounter. Uh, we need to be uh, men and women who pray not only individually but corporately. And I know a lot of prayer goes on in our life groups, and I'm thankful for that. But we need to pray as an entire body as well. And, and we're, we're taking the, the great prayer meeting that Franklin Graham had here at this church as a model, and, and we're, we're going to pray uh, on different occasions and for special events and, and, and for things that really are burdening us as a church and, and things that should burden us as individuals about our nation. And so David tells us that if you're going to handle great pain, you need to commit to God, you need to confide in God, you need to pray, and then third, you need to cast your cares on him. So he tells us again in that key verse, verse 22, cast your burdens on the Lord. Peter, as I mentioned before, brings this up, and he tells us that we're to cast all of our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. And so we take our cares to him. Now, there's no promise in this psalm that when we do even these three things that God takes away the burden. doesn't say that he he gets us out of all the difficulties. I was thinking about this in, in regards even to Jesus when he was here on this earth, you remember that there were a number of storms that he and his followers had to deal with. In Mark chapter 4, there was the storm where they were out on a boat. Jesus was sleeping. They wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care? And you remember that Jesus in that occasion stood up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and there was a great calm. In essence, he took them out of the storm. We'd like that to happen often, but it doesn't always happen. But that doesn't mean that God's not there. And so if we were to just go over just a little bit to Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 to 31, there's another storm, and, and Peter now is, is out on these waves, and the waves are really tossing all over the place. Jesus doesn't calm the storm there, but guess what he does do? He helps Peter to focus on what he needed to focus on. And so I I don't know whether the burdens you have, God's going to just take them away. But I can tell you this, whether he takes them away or not, he'll be there with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, and he'll help you. And he'll give you peace, that peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of those burdens and troubles. Well, the last thing that I want you to recognize in this, though, is this, that I, I think David had to connect with people. How do I know that? Well, it's not in this psalm, and we're not going to take a, a, a long time to study this, but as I mentioned before, that the context in which this psalm is written goes way back to Second Samuel and chapter 13 to chapter 18. And, uh, you know, in chapter 18 and verses 31 through 33, uh, we read that David was filled with, with uh, grief. In fact, here's the ending of, uh, of chapter 18. It says this, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you. O Absalom, my son, my son. So here's this grief. His son died. And, and he's so filled with grief, he wishes that God took him, not Absalom. But then what happens in chapter 19? Well, chapter 19, prophet Moab comes to David, and, and here's what he says to David. He, he confronts David. But I want you to, to, to think about what he says verse, uh, in chapter 19, verse 6. Because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you, for you have made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today, I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now, I'm going to just stop there just for a second and and say this. See, David was hurt by people. He he didn't want to deal with people. He didn't want to be around people. He, He didn't trust anybody. One of the things that I'm always concerned about with my two sons in law enforcement, is that they, they it's so easy to come away with a view that every single person on the face of this earth is, is evil and bad. Because that's what they deal with day in and day out. And so you can have a wrong view of people. And so if you've been hurt, and no one's been there to help you at times, it's easy to say, well, I don't need anybody, then I don't want anybody. I, I, because I'll get hurt. And maybe David felt that way. So Joab confronts him. And and then in verse 7, here's what we read. Now, therefore, arise, go out. I'll read the rest of it. But here's, you know, don't get mad when somebody confronts you and, and tries to exhort you to do something that you should be doing. That's what happens here. So here's what he says. Now, therefore, go out and speak kindly to your servants for I swear by the Lord if you do not go not a man will stay with you this night and this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now And I love David's response. Then the king arose and took his seat in the gate and the people were all told, behold, the king is sitting in the gate and all the people came before David. And the rest of of this chapter deals with how David then did what Joab wanted him to do. And you know what Joab wanted him to do? To connect with people, to reach out to people because we need God first and foremost, but we need God's people as well. And so I hope that we find hope, help, healing in God and in God's people. Let's pray.